I hear people all the time talking about getting a pub. I would like to people talk about getting a pub that actually replicates every now and then. Um, I would people to talk about the content of what they did. Um, and the idea is that if you get people to be thinking a little bit more about what happens after they get the pub, um, you know, you've, you've really sort of changed the incentive system a bit um, by shifting the focus away from just that question of whether or not it's going to be a line on my CV. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. As always, I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University and a very special Hi. guest. James is here and we have a very very special guest, Sean Reif, who is an assistant professor of psychology at Murray State University in Kentucky and co-founder and director of research at the Brooklyn-based startup Site. AI. Now, Sean's research is focused primarily on the social impact of technology, but more recently, he's become interested in improving incentives in science and the automated quantitative analysis of scientific citations. Sean, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm a big fan of the show. It's uh, it's great to actually be on it as opposed to just listening. <laughs> this is great. Awesome. Now, Sean, what is Cite.ai? What is the story yeah, behind the this? First thing you could you could spell it. Yeah, first spell it for us. It's not it's yeah. not spelt how it sounds. Yeah, so uh, you know, people talk about the hard parts about starting a company. They never get to the part where you name the company, <laughs> which is harder than you might think. Um, no, so uh, it's just uh, scientific citations. So it's S C I T E, um, and uh, that that's that's as clever as we can get. So. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What is uh, was the question? What is site? Yeah, is that what you were yeah, asking? Yeah. What's, what's the story already behind getting it? us off track? So, yeah. Site is. Um, oh gosh. Uh, I guess uh, so. The two parts. I'll, I'll tell you what it is, and then I'll, I guess I'll tell you sort of the story behind it. Um, site was developed out of the uh, I think the pretty uncontroversial observation that the way we analyze scientific citations um, is not really telling us what we really want to know. Um, so, uh, you know, you have all sorts of metrics out there, which are subject to uh, all kinds of abuse. Um, I think, I, I think that probably the impact factor is misused more than it's properly used. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I don't, I, don't, I think that among people who talk about this kind of thing, that's kind of pretty well known. Um, but we realize that, you know, what you really want, even, you know, sort of the, the best services that provide some type of citation analysis, all they're really telling you is just sort of there's a network of citations. They're telling you, well, who's citing this paper um, and who's citing that paper. But what you really more likely want to know is what are they actually saying? Who is saying what about what paper? And so um, our system is designed to actually show you a, a record for a given publication. It'll show you um, all of the different uh, citations of that publication. And it will tell you not just the, you know, the paper title or where it was published, but it'll actually show you what is said in that citation. So what we call the citation context. And um, we actually take that a step further, and then we apply some machine learning magic to it, some deep learning, and uh, we're, we're in the process now of improving that, where it actually will give a classification to that citation. So it'll say, well, you know, this particular citation of Fisbee et al. is, you know, generally positive, negative, um, or, you know, or just sort of neutral, which is the, the sort of the majority of citations, actually. Um, can, can, so that's can you walk a, sort us of the through overview. like like what, what a typical positive citation would would be? Would this be a this the the current research is consistent with the prior research, or how, how does that work? 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it, you know, it turns out that, yeah, there are certain key phrases that our algorithm picks up on. So most of, you know, a, uh, a finding the, you know, a citation that is consistent, that is confirming or supporting uh, that we use the language of supporting versus contradicting <laughs> that language itself. It takes a lot while to sort of, um, understand, you know, what terms mean what, but, uh, yeah, the, the system itself will pick up on phrases like this is consistent with, or this is in contradiction to, or, um, this is in line with, I mean, you can think about the way scientists write, um, I mean, other than badly, um, and, uh, you know, sort of think about the terminology that you might use and that I might use when we're talking about our own results. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fairly, at least particularly in terms of supporting citations, uh, the language is fairly consistent. Now, the way it's applied and the sort of surrounding words that can kind of jumble things up, that's a little bit different. But there are definitely key phrases um, that we can that we've identified in, in our own internal research. Okay, that that, that, that makes sense. Well, what what would some more examples be? So, um, well, let's see here. Uh, I can give you some that I'm looking at right now. So, um, although more studies are needed to verify this view, a bias toward amygdala excitation and the excitation inhibition balance would be in agreement with evidence in clinical uh, populations that typically display alterations. Blah 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 blah. And the key term there is in agreement with. Um, let's see what else here. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, as well as a positive association between amygdala activity and social anxiety, symptom severity. This is consistent with, again, we get consistent with, um, let's see here. I can just read off a whole bunch of them or actually, James, do you have a, uh, a, are you looking at our demo yet? Or do you have a, a demo account by any chance? No, no, I don't. Should I get okay. one? Okay, we should get you. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll actually. Uh, Dan, can you forward one to him or I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, the invite? I'll forward. Uh, I'll forward an invite to James. Um, Perfect. Now, yes. one thing. Um, I, I got a, a a tester account and I put in um, a paper which is quite controversial in in my field. Um, it really got the ball rolling when it came to intranasal oxytocin research. It was this idea that uh, one intranasal oxytocin spray can increase trust, and it was very sexy. Uh, published in 2005, and I've always had this inkling that this paper keeps getting cited, even though there's a lot of doubt around this paper. Um, so that was the first paper that I tried, and what came out was was kind of confirm my hunch in the sense that there's not that many papers which have actually confirmed this finding. There's a lot which um, are neutral in the sense that people more or less give it a historical nod. Uh, I cite it, but only because it's a historical nod, and then I caveat that with, but see papers X, Y, Z. Um, but uh, so I, I, I was quite impressed because it it, it, it it worked. Uh, so that was um, that was really nice that it was able to uh, that it was able to do able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that so. Um, I mean, one of the the challenges uh, that, that obviously that we face and science sort of faces more broadly is the fact that. There are not, we, we don't publish our null, our null results, right? We, we don't publish our failures to replicate, um, the way that we probably should. Um, and so I think that probably, you know, like what you're getting at in terms of there, I, I can't, I don't know the paper you're talking about exactly, but probably the vast majority of times that that pops up, it's just sort of mentioning citations. It's yep. just basically a call out to here is this influential paper. And because I have to cite it because everyone cites it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, there are plenty of there are, are, are like that. Um, and, and that, that is, I mean, again, in our own internal research, the vast majority of citations that we classify internally are simply mentioning citations. They're just saying, you know, here is this thing or here is this method that we used or um, 
And then, you know, so yeah, probably, you know, on a lot of those papers that, you know, you might think of as more controversial or even sort of the less robust, the, probably the first warning sign you're going to see is that there's very little support. Mm. Um, that's the most sort of common scenario that you'd see in one of those papers. Um, and, you know, th- this is an institutional problem that we're, we hope to be part in, you know, instrumental in helping to resolve in terms of incentives to publish negative results. So. That's uh, uh, that's something I didn't actually think about. It, yeah, it, it, this is, I've I've always assumed that there was more. There's more information than a citation. I, I've, you, you may have caught me bitching in one format or another about the idea that a citation is binary, that you make a reference to it, and it it comes up. Um, it comes up a great deal when you occasionally see people saying, "Oh well." He's citing that paper, and that paper's been retracted. Uh, if he's citing that paper to say, well, what a bag of flaming shit that was. It's a good <laughs> thing it got retracted, citation. Then, you know, maybe you can calm yourself. Um, so they run the full gamut from everything in that is perfect, Nobel Prize and a box of chocolates for you, through to this is absolutely terrible. I, I, I wonder as well, does, does it do anything um, – he, he, he said, being extremely unfocused, does it do anything with the information about how many times an individual document is cited in another one? Um, you mean in terms of the, like paper, the number of times paper A cites paper B? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if, your whole, if your whole deal is um, I directly tested that and there were several points in time where it needs to be mentioned because every time we tested it, it worked. Or every time we tested it, it set the cat on fire. On and on it would go. I mean, you, the, it feels like there'd be a stronger relationship. But it is, of course, it's only counted as one citation. But 14 extremely negative mentions, uh, one casual mention, and three incredibly positive mentions are all counted as one citation. Yeah, no. So actually, our system, and and I, I should clarify, our system is based on the in-text citation itself, not the sort of just the fact that it appears in a reference list. So if if paper A cites paper B five times, we'll have five entries in our in our database for that for that relationship. Yeah. Um. So you would see all those, and they would all have uh, what we call cite scores, just in terms of uh, identifying whether or not uh, the the algorithm classifies it as supporting mention or contradictory. Contradictory. Could you measure if a review paper was useless because it kept citing another <laughs> review paper that had already reviewed the same topic? Uh, yeah, it could actually. It would it would definitely make that very apparent. Um, I, I think we don't have a metric for uselessness. Um, but you're giving <laughs> the ideas. That is now. a real shame. That, no, well, we there, should. There you go. Free, yeah. free, free idea. You'll make a ton of money on the back of that. There we go. Yeah. No. As director of research, <laughs> I endorse this. Wholly. Uh, yes. And how yeah. do you go? How do you go about? Because um, I understand that there's there's a lot of machine learning when it comes to these categorizations, but I also understand there's some human element to it. How, how does that work? Yeah. So um, the first task. Well, actually, let me. Maybe I should go back and just sort of. Um, do we care about the sort of the history of the company no, a little please, bit? I can please. go back and just sort of go into that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this all came together actually. Um, I so I'm like most unproductive and degenerate people. I'm on Twitter, and um, <laughs> I uh, I was following um for whatever reason I was following our CEO uh, Josh Nicholson. I was following his account, 
Um, and at some point, he just tweeted out that you know he was in the market for some people who had done some work with with text classification, and I had I had done some work with that. And in fact, my, one of my graduate students, um, her project involved a, a text uh, classification format, a sentiment analysis uh, component. And so we, you know, we got in touch over Twitter and, um, it turned out, I, I later learned what it, uh, what had happened was, um, he and, uh, 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 one of our other, um, founders, uh, Yuri, uh, Yuri Lezebnik, um, they had written a paper a number of years ago. I think it was 2014, 2013. Um, and, uh, it was published on the Winnower. I don't know if you have any, uh, if you've ever come across yeah, anything. On yeah. The Winnower. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it uh, yeah, that was actually Josh, our CEO, actually founded the Winnower, and then it was uh, it was bought up by Authoria, and um, so they had published it in the Winnower, and they were basically just arguing that, you know, uh, like I said, our our indi- our initial sort of indicators of a publication's importance are are woefully um, sort of. I don't know, misapplied and, and not really telling us what we want to know. What you really want is some indication of the replicability or reliability of a given finding. And um, so uh, they, you know, they initially had just sort of, I think, just published this as sort of somebody out there should go out there and do this, you know, big scale, large scale. Um, and like so many things, uh, nobody really did. Um, it turned out that nobody uh, just really sort of picked up the torch and ran with it. So they decided that they wanted to do it themselves, and and the first thing that they really needed to do was, um, you know, figure out a way to to classify a large number of scientific citations to annotate um, a large data set. Because um, in the you know in the machine learning arena, what you really need is a good large training data set. So that's mm-hmm. where that's where the human element really came in. And what we did was we uh, we actually I just put together a sort of um, basic website that would pull a random snippet of text from a, uh, a plus article, um, which are all freely available as XML. And uh, it would display that text and the job of, uh, of the three of us or the four of us, actually, um, we had a number of people on our team, was to basically just classify a given citation that it would display as uh, supporting or refuting or just mentioning. Um, so that was where that's the the human element of it, or at least the genesis of the human element of it, um, was we have in our training data set, uh, I think uh, after cleaning, it's about 30,000 uh, individual citations. Um, so that's that's the uh, the human element of it there. And we also have a system on the website itself that will allow our users to flag a citation. If they see something that they think is not correctly identified by the algorithm, um, they can flag it and then that will bring it back to us. And so we can fix those misclassifications. And as people do that, the idea is that the algorithm itself will get better and smarter. Um, and then, you know, Skynet and we'll take over the entire world. So, But the flagging is, is always checked by a human before it actually gets approved. Correct. Yeah. So we actually have a, a system on our back end that will actually tell us when someone's flagged something and then uh, requires a couple of us to go in there and actually review that and either approve it or or not. Okay. Um, so there's this sort of two step process. And, you know, the ga- the goal there is that that way you don't have sort of, you know, people who either don't quite understand how the system is supposed to work or maybe worst case scenario, you have some sort of nefarious people going in there and finding the citations <laughs> of their uh, their opposing lab and classifying them all as contradicting. Um, that's, uh, you know, we try to build in some support around the, that system. So, 
And what do you think about authors doing this on the on the paper end? Uh, I know there are a few journals where you can actually annotate and comment on references that you thought were were particularly important. Um, uh, often, you know, this is done with only like five papers, not 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 the entire thing. Um, but uh, what do you think about authors doing this? So uh, you mean authors in terms of uh, are you talking about like a pub peer type system or well, no, um, like, maybe, so, maybe so I'm not a, sure as they as they publish a paper because um, obviously the authors they're the ones who know exactly why they're citing a paper um, but what, what would you think about the authors actually doing this doing this themselves like is, is, is do you think this is realistic or something that 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 can also help. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, definitely this is one of the, uh, I think, many use cases that we've, we've envisioned. In fact, I mean, just in my own scholarship, um, I mean, that's something that I've started doing on our system. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I think that that is definitely, you know, one of the, the key sort of use cases that I as sort of, you know, in my, my wife as a working scientist is I want to be able to look up a given paper. And see, you know, how well received or how replicable that finding or the pr- findings presented in that paper have been by other scientists. Um, and if, you know, if I can see that, yeah, you know, in, in eight different replication and extension uh, attempts, they couldn't get the thing to work. You know, that's something that I probably would like to know as an author um, before I cite that or even before I design the study that's based on that paradigm. Um, that's probably something I'd like to know. That that is super oh, important yeah. because it's quite yeah. often we see the number of citations as a mark of quality, and 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 someone will argue, oh, but you you don't know, you know, what what the citations are actually, uh, what those citations are actually about. So to have a way of actually understanding those citations more than this number, which as James mentioned before, is quite binary, uh, that that'll be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely that is the situation we're going that, that we're going for. That's that's how that is the sort of from the scholarship aspect. I think that is the key use case there. Hmm. Sean, can I ask you a totally unrelated question just for fun? But we're talking about all this 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 text mining kind of capabilities. Are yes. You, are you ready for an unrelated question? Looking why forward is, to it, James. Yes. Why is why is there no good free Plagiarism detector. Mm. There's only. I mean, I've, I've looked at commercial services for doing this. I mean, it feels it feels related to. I mean, you're 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 going into text, retrieving information. It's much easier with XML than any other format, right? Oh yeah. Well, we can talk about formats too. Like I have opinions on formats, but yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I I hope they're negative ones about PDFs. <laughs> but um, it, it, I, I take that just a little. To mean I'm exactly I, yeah. right and yeah. good looking. Um, why? What is that? Is that a really difficult task? I guess this is not an unrelated question. I suppose it's related to the space of what is required to go out and retrieve this information automatically how, how how accurate can it actually be um in terms of plagiarism detection we actually we have actually talked about this as being something that you you know with our you know data set you could theoretically do I, I think getting to the heart of your question because lots you know like the, there's turn it in at my university is what we use sort of you know we have a contract with them and I think that the major reason why there's no good free option is because there's money to be made with that type of product or service. 
Um, and any time so, so can, anyone mad enough to try to do it would try and sell it is what you mean. I, that, you know, yeah, basically, I mean, it, and it is, it is not, um, it is not as simple as you might think actually. Oh, I think with, it's incredibly complicated. Okay, it's, good, it's good. Then a, we're on the same page there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is actually a harder problem than I think uh, maybe a good chunk of people realize. And to boot, you actually have to, and this is probably the, this is really the cost element. The, the thing that probably makes it more expensive, um, for the people doing it is that you actually have to store an insane amount of data in, yeah. in a format that it can be easily accessed and compared. And, uh, I will tell you that is not cheap. That is actually incredibly expensive. Um, okay. So, so yeah, you, I mean, do you, sorry. Do you mean like a cloud service or a local service? Yeah, no. Like, I mean, um, well, I mean, so I mean, our, we use um, a cloud service for our our services. We use Microsoft Azure, but I mean, any of those services are are going to be expensive just in terms of storing uh, in an accessible way that amount of data. Um, yeah. is is a is a difficult challenge. It's expensive. Yeah, th so. there's a whole series of papers on what's the best way to take text in order, which is compressible information, and compress it into a sequence where we can still do this uh, task of matching every section with every other section, which is a problem that is kind of multiplicative with the amount of text you want to match. Um, yes. So it's yeah, it's 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 well difficult. Um, I really wish I had a local one though. You mean like a, a machine on your computer that you could just, or like a piece of software, a locally running piece of software that you could just punch it in and it would it would do the plagiarism detection? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there are some free options, and they're mostly terrible. Um, I took my incredibly mediocre skills to try and make one, but it's going to be something. Something uh, obviously, it it works terribly. As I, 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 you you need to have some kind of like natural language processing capacity to it to make it work properly. But if you try and do something like this, you'll realize just how fucking hard it is to do something like what you're proposing. Yeah. Like yeah, it is. is. Language is a dick of a thing compared to, you know, numbers. It's horrible <laughs> stuff. Yeah, no, and and that's, you know, for for sort of more technically minded people like me, it's it's uh it's it's maddening. Um dealing with natural language processing is is I mean, there are people who uh you know, who have entire careers made out of just that, obviously. One question we often get from listeners is how they can support the show. And we have two ways. The first is financially via Patreon. And uh, we have two support tiers. The first one is a dollar a month. And with that, you get the Everything Hurts newsletter, access to behind the scenes photos and videos, and that warm feeling that you are supporting the show. Uh, if you join our $5 Professor Fancy Pants tier, you get access to all those things. And in addition to that, uh, an exclusive mini episode, which is released every single month. Our last episode was on ResearchGate, and that was quite popular. So if you sign up, you get access to all the bonus episodes moving forward, but also the back catalogue of bonus episodes. The second way you can, you can support the show is via social media. We would love it if you could post about the show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, whatever platform you are using. Now, let's get back to the show. Oh, 
obviously, this is a huge problem um, within within sciences is getting the sentiment of these citations. But what other big problems do you see? We've always said that uh, if we were to reinvent publishing, scientific publishing now, it would look very different. Um, what are the qualities do you see in, in the ideal scientific journal if we were to invent one today? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, now is, is I'm going to uh, do what James suggested earlier, and I'm, I'm going to complain about file formats. Go. Um, I mean, Go, the, f- the, first, the first thing, um, you know, look, if I sat down and said to myself, I need to create a file format that will be as useless as possible for automated analysis, I would probably come up with the PDF. Um, yep. I mean, it is, it does, it was designed to do a thing. The thing was, we're going to take, we're going to take paper and we're going to have a digital representation of paper and it's going to be on the computer. And it actually, it does that reasonably well. It is horrible at pretty much everything else. (laughs) Um, And so we actually, I mean, this has been, you know, I think that actually, you know, if, if we were to design a scientific publishing ecosystem from the ground up, the first thing I would do is I would say all of this needs to, in some form, be available in a machine readable format. Um, and, you know, and, and that goes, and it, of course it goes without saying, obviously, I mean, you know, we're, we're fans of open access. We, uh, use open access, um, papers, you know, as, as, as ways of getting data into our system. Um, so those two things are, are at least from the, from the perspective of the company, those are the two things that, that, um, you know, sort of the two obstacles that we've run into. Um, and the th- two things I would change about scientific yeah. publishing. Also uh, publishing yeah, so null results, but that's a separate kettle I, of fish. So. I've heard similar things so many times before from the kind of right to mine people. Um, and just the, the problems that you, cause also look, P, P, PDF, uh, is something where they've made a, a series of incremental changes over time, right? Until it's this sort of Frankenstein bargain bin sort of, you know, it, it's like a, it's like a grab bag of all this bollocks that's been agglomerated together over time with all these, uh, plugins and images and bells and whistles and unicorns and shit and they seem to be getting more weird um i had a while ago because I, I wanted to look at some numbers um i i tried the simple act of trying to import a table from a pdf into it was just into matlab format and i use some occasionally australian language but this was this was this was a task, man. And I, eventually, I realized that if I'd written them all out in crayon and then transposed them onto the computer, like using one finger, it would have been quicker than trying to get the bastard thing to import. But that's every single one of your articles. Yep. That's every single one. Well, I, I can sh- only assume that you're much, much better at coding things. <laughs> than I am. Well, no, actually, I should I should clarify a, a little bit. Actually, I mean, our preferred. Um, so we we have you know what we we call an ingestion pipeline where you know the the mm-hmm. process is we're going to analyze all these papers, we're going to find the citations, and we're going to put them in our database. And ideally, we like to work with XML um, as yep. any reasonable, sane individual should. Um, and yeah, and and you know we do a lot. We pull, for example, um, from PubMed. Um, so that's that's uh, sort of our our uh, that was sort of the beginnings that uh, of our XML pipeline was with PubMed, and and that works 
uh, remarkably well. It's uh, it's efficient. It's a clean process. Um, you know, there's there are quirks here and there, but for the most part, it it works uh, really well. The PDF stuff is uh, is really a a nightmare um, to to develop. And actually, we use a, a tool that I don't know if you've heard of. It. It's called Grobid. Um, it's Ooh, um, how do you spell that? G R O B I D. We will link to that. that um, even sounds dirty. It, 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 sounds, it sounds like something you'd read on a toilet wall in Lithuania. And it How would much have time do you spend in toilets it. in Lithuania? That's that's. Uh, yeah. Next time more I'm there, I'll you, write it. Yeah. More than you might think. Um, no, I've, I've I've not heard of that. So does that does that take the sting out of it? What does it, that do? It really it really does. Um, it, it does a, a very difficult task uh, incredibly well. Um, and it's, I mean, it's like so many things, it's not perfect, but, um, yeah, it, it analyzes the text and, uh, and basically it converts a PDF to an XML file, which is, um, again, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not going to use the word witchcraft here, but it's, it's, it's kind of like magic actually. Um, and that's been a key part of our, our PDF pipeline. Um, now it, it, it comes okay. with, you know, there are some trade-offs there. So there are some things that, um, you know, there are some citations you might lose as that part of the process, um, which is why we prefer XML, but it does work pretty well. It's- That's awesome. So, um, is, I, I presume that could be if someone was, a a, a meta analyst or, uh, was trying to, was trying to scrape a lot of papers for some kind of, uh, any kind of omnibus analysis that could be very handy for them. Yeah. It's an, Damn, it's an excellent heard it tool. Here first. I'd never even heard of that one. That's awesome, man. There we go. Yeah. I was, when we first started the planning this, I was ecstatic when I found out about this. Uh, it's open source. It's, uh, yeah. Um, the, it, it really, uh, it, it really saved us a lot of effort and it's used actually fairly broadly at a, a number of, of companies use it as part of their processing pipelines. So nuts. What's it, what's it written in? How do you get it to work? It's, it's in Java. Um, and, oh, uh, fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm a Python guy by, uh, that's just, it's, uh, it's in my blood at this point, but, um, (laughs) but it's, it's written in Java. And actually, if you go, if you look it up and, and, uh, read up on it, it it does make the the process of setting it up fairly painless. Um, so there's also a website too, if you, um, uh, I can't remember the link off the top of my head, but, um, if you just Google it and, uh, and go to the main website for it, there's a, a version of it that runs in your browser that you can, uh, that you can just upload the file to and it'll spit out a bunch of XML. So. Whoa. You, can you, can you see that being useful for one of your filthy meta analyses, Daniel? Possibly. That, that could actually oh, work yeah. quite well. Oh, yeah, it's genius. Very, very interesting. Okay, sorry. I, I, I can't, I can't remember what we were talking about before. I'm having a marvelously uh, focused day, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> I just don't want anything I'm cons- I'm saying be construed as I support meta analysis. I'm kind of with you on the on oh, that. Oh, really? That, I gotta tell you. Yeah. Okay. T- tell, yeah. tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts. No, it's just it's a question. <laughs> oh, <I'm- laughs> um, it's a I I fear. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, you should have. <laughs> so o- open uh, up that can of worms. No, it's just um, I suspect. I mean, the, the, I really don't have anything sort of unique to contribute to this, um, other than I mean, I, I kind of find myself in agreement with what a lot of people, other people, have said, and that you have sort of the same problems that you have with any other approach. You have, uh, you know, bias in the literature, and you have uh, you have problems in terms of uh, 
you know, in terms of analytical flexibility. And, and so, you know, I guess if you do the sort of best case scenario, a pre-registered, um, you know, uh, meta-analysis, even in that situation, you are still sort of succumbing to problems with with data availability and, and publication bias. Um, so, yeah, you know, in, in my own area, I mean, in social psychology in particular, there are a number of, of scientific claims that have been really... I think propped up improperly, if that makes any sense, um, mm. by the process of meta analysis. The, the thing that comes most immediately to mind is the um, video games and aggression. Mm. So, um, you know, there is, if you ask most, I think most working social psychologists, um, they will say, yeah, you know, the book's kind of closed on this one. We know that video games cause aggression. <laughs> And they'll cite any number of the meta-analyses that come to that conclusion. In fact, so many that the APA had to write a meta-meta-analysis summarizing the findings of all the meta-analyses, which <laughs> I think, uh, you know, XKCD has a cartoon about something yes, being too they meta. Do. They yes, do. Um, It was. I've read the meta-meta-analysis. It was too meta. Um, but what it, t- I think what it's tend- tended to do in that area is really prop up what a- at its core is a really flawed set of, of methodologies, a really flawed um, literature in and of itself. And people can point to the meta-analysis and say, well, isn't this the last word on it? And for a lot of people, it is. And I think that's a problem. Look, so. I totally agree with you. Uh, I think there are big problems there and it is much easier to game a meta-analysis than it is to game primary research. Uh, and unless it's pre-registered, um, look, if a, if a meta-analysis isn't pre-registered and doesn't actually post their data, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really trust it that much. Um, like this, it's just, it's incredible the the sort of stuff that you can publish. And like you say, people point to it going, but look, it's a meta-analysis and people don't, like, it is really easy considering the software that's available, there's some software which is point and click and it gives you a result and you have no idea how you actually got that result in the first place. And people are, are doing these meta-analyses horribly and they're and they're getting cited a lot and it's, it's incredibly frustrating so i think if they're done correctly they can be really powerful and more recently they've actually um uh, packages have come out to because traditional meta-analyses are very bad at assessing publication bias uh the measures yep. that people think a publication bias are actually small study bias so doing something like eggers regression test or looking at the funnel plot isn't publication bias but there are there are new tools like the other uh, p uniform tool which is a, re- a really handy way of actually looking at uh, y- it can perform an an adjust a meta analysis that's adjusted for publication bias, and this is really interesting. It works with a few a few sort of caveats, but for the sort of your, your bog standard meta analysis, if you can do it in R, it's super easy to implement it within P Uniform, and there's even like a shiny app, so you can actually actually you can actually see. Um, considering there's publication bias and there's gonna be, what is this? Uh, what is this finding really like? So, look, there's a lot of well, well, that that fixes it all up, Sean. I guess we were wrong. <laughs> Obviously, that's fine. You you get it. You just got to get a better funnel, mate. Better funnel. No, I mean, if honestly, you know, here's the thing: if if all scientists were as conscientious and uh, clear headed about meta analysis as Dan Quintana, then I wouldn't have any problem with it at all. So. But no, the thing uh-huh. is, it, uh, it also comes down to this idea that that a lot of journals aren't actually policing their own policies when it comes to uh, Prisma guidelines for reporting meta-analyses, uh, which kind of speaks to our, our, uh, our more, more, most recent episode when it comes to policing uh, clinical trial reporting, um, is that if these things were actually policed better, we'd have, we'd have better quality. Um, but uh, yeah, nah, it, it is, there, there is a lot of crap out there, though. 
Uh, so let's 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 not talk about meta analysis anymore because I have I have hypertension now and I'm blind. So we'll have to talk about something useful. Um, what's the, what's the end game, Sean? I'm I'm curious. Is I, I I you probably haven't planned the whole ideal life cycle of the the, the company out, but where where do you see it going? Because it's 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 unusual in it's unusual in a few respects something like this so i'm curious at how you see it sort of going forwards yeah i mean um so uh, we we've got a number of of different sort of pro- i guess sub projects that we're pursuing the the main thing for us is we we want to build partnerships um, and we're, we're working with, you know, with a number of different groups. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we've worked with, uh, the Internet Archive. Uh, uh, we've worked with Unpaywall. Unpaywall has been great. Um, and that's just in an effort to sort of get more open access publications. Um, you know, ideally we want to build partnerships with publishers. Um, and that, that helps, you know, in a couple of ways. We'd like to, you know, sort of, um, you know, work on improving our analysis and promoting that through the publishers themselves, but also, uh, also work on, you know, gaining access to XML versions of, of, uh, publish, uh, publications where they're available. Um, that's important. I think, you know, going down the road, what we're really interested in, in terms of long-term features is, is sort of building out a more, um, sophisticated analysis platform. So you can see maybe how network analysis could be applied to this kind of thing. You could have valenced edges in the network analysis. Um, you could, uh, have, um, you know, a sort of almost a cluster analysis and identify different segments of literature on a given topic. Um, you know, ultimately, we'd like you to be able to just sort of, um, you know, have a number associated with a paper and say, you know, here is how robust or reliable or generally speaking, how well this seems to replicate in the literature. That's sort of the, I guess, the gold standard for us. Um you know, those are some of the things that we've we've really talked about in terms of building out the product. I don't know if that answers your question about the end game. Maybe I'm just talking about what we have in mind for the future. Um, but um, does that answer your question? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, that answers a lot of my question. But okay. what about as a what about as like a commercial entity? Ah, do you, do okay. you want to sort of turn into a data science company? Do you want to keep doing this? Is it a side project? No, I mean, no. So, I mean, what kind for, of hustle is it? No, I mean, um, no. It's it's definitely it's uh it's it's a it's a major project for us. We're um we're all sort of in it to win it, I guess, if that makes any sense. Um, we're, you know, uh, it's it's expensive to run. Um, so um, you know, we we like I said about sort of the uh, plagiarism detection. I mean, we have to store and process a fairly large amount of data. So it is the sort of thing that that does require some sort of monetization. Um, and that's why, you know, we're, we're, you know, working to develop relationships with publishers. We're working to develop relationships with, uh, you know, various private research firms. Um, you know, eventually, um, in, in fact, I know, um, I'm friends with, uh, the, uh, one of the, um, research librarians here on campus. Um, and he loves it. He thinks it's great. You know, I can see this being, uh, a, a product that's useful, uh, for libraries. Hmm. Um, so, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nice. there are a lot of sort of tools, you know, like Web of Science that sort of try to to do this sort of thing. But I think in terms of showing the citation context um, and actually applying machine learning to that to that context is is really something unique that we offer. So, 
I think because um, because yeah. right now you you go to the website huh. and you plug in the paper and it gives you the analysis. Um, I think one thing which be, which which could be really handy is some sort of um, bookmarklet. Um, so if you're on the actual paper, you you, you click the button and the th- uh, does that already exist? Is that something that you, you guys are working on? You want you want a uh, you want a, a a web button like an unpaywall button kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So I'm or reading a- the paper going, oh, this is interesting. And then uh, I press the button and a little box pops up, um, which basically gives you the same sort of stats that you get from the website. Yeah, that's actually, we are working on that exact thing. That is in the process. That's amazing. That's great. Yes. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's another sort of feature that we'll want to, you know, the idea is to to actually, for working researchers, is to actually, you know, sort of help this be a natural part of the process of, of writing or designing an experiment. Um, you know, when you're looking up your methodology or you're looking for a, a particular procedure or a particular assay, you know, you look up that paper just to see how well it's worked for others. And our tool is something that we, we think can show that. I think that's really interesting because I, I was speaking to a student today and, and she mentioned that uh, she, she wanted to cite a paper. And I'm like, but that paper is bad. And, <laughs> and, and she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, but the literature, like, but, but you know. So, to have a sort of tool that can actually say that and you can click and you can go, well, there's been like four, you know, five, six papers that have actually suggested that that might not necessarily be the case. This is this is just going to be so handy because rather than me just telling my students this is bad, they can actually see see the numbers and, and, and click back and actually see the, the, the papers underlying that analysis as well. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. And in fact, I actually uh, I actually teach a course on writing the psychological sciences. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I get that situation all the time. It, you know, when one of my students will be unfortunate enough to select a topic that I know something that I know a lot about, um, <laughs> you know, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, yes, this paper by so and so. And I'll be like, oh, no, 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 not that one, <laughs> like not that one, you know, and, and, and I have to remind myself that, yes, I know that paper is bad because I've, you know, wasted away my life in academia reading these kinds of papers and I know it's bad, but there's no reason that a sophomore in college is going to know that that's a bad exactly. Um, and it. it's unreasonable for me to expect them to know that. So, you know, I actually I, I think that for students in particular, it could be a really useful tool to gauge, you know, what people are saying about that paper before you go and base your entire undergraduate thesis <laughs> on that paper. Um, oh, you no. did. Tell me about it. Did you, um, did you, is it, here's something you can give them. This will be a good fun. Have you, uh, there's a, a thing called 80,000 hours. I can't remember what they do. Maybe they just like time. <laughs> um, they have a little quiz on their website where, where they took all the 21 studies from the replication project that was published in Nature, uh, last year. Yeah. And they present the original result and ask you to guess with a kind of a stripped down, uh, like a fairly minimal description. Like you get a few test statistics, you get a few details, uh, you get a little grab out of the method section. And they ask you to say, uh, did this replicate when it was retested with a million billion people? And you Ah. click yes, no. And it tells you the confidence interval of what actually happened. Um, and then you, and then afterwards you see, uh, the replication, uh, well, it said there was no effect whatsoever with a sample that was 12 times larger. Um, I don't have a class right now, but I'm absolutely fucking dying to give this to students <laughs> and see how they do. It's a silly little thing, 
But if you're teaching sort of social psych nexus kinds of people, they might find it really interesting. I would recommend it for everyone else as well. That's great. I will check and, that out. And see if you can beat my score. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not going to tell you because that's not the point. Honestly, you should, uh, you, should, you should have a go. It's a good laugh. Sean, can I'll do you it. put it in the show notes? I will put it in the show notes. Can you tell us about Spooner? I saw this on your website. Oh, and I thought, that is gosh. Really I can't believe you found that. You're the only person. This thing, oh. this thing looks amazing <laughs> because basically, as you would have seen in the news a few days ago, Nor the country of Norway, the kingdom of Norway has torn up its agreement with Elsevier. And yes. as of next year, uh, Norwegian researchers uh, won't be able to access legally um, Elsevier papers. So, but I think people forget that they can use the old school way of actually emailing the author, but that can be a pain in the ass. So, tell us about Spooner. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't even know if that website still works. Oh, really? Now you've talked about it. I have to go back there. I have to go back there before this Recode it. And uh- <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan. To make it work for someone. He's nice enough to come on the show and you start <laughs> him reminding him of jobs he's got to do. This was a- uh, No, this was funny. Oh. So, this was a- uh, When I was in grad school and, you know, not working on my, my dissertation like I should have been, um, I, I, uh, I happened upon- I can't remember who it was. It may have been, it may have been Jonathan Haidt's website. Um, and he had this little thing on his website that where you could, you know, you could download a paper for some of them, but others, it just said, click here to have a, a copy of this paper emailed to you. And I thought, that's great. My God, that's wonderful. Everyone should do this. Why don't they do this? And then I realized it's because most people aren't giant nerds like me uh, <laughs> with a little bit of time on their hands. Um, so the idea was that, yeah, you could just, uh, you know, log into this thing and it would store your paper and then it would give you a little bit of, uh, of, uh, HTML that you could copy and paste into your personal web page. And, uh, and it would basically automate that process of emailing a paper to you. Um, so it just sort of takes the, the initial effort out of that. Um, I don't know, to be entirely honest, I don't know if anyone ever used the thing. I think I was, I was new to writing software that people would actually use. And I would think I was a little bit nervous about actually letting people use it, which sounds kind of weird. But, um, but there it is. Yeah. It's, uh, that so was kind of my on, first hang project. Hang on, hang on. Is that legal? Are you I, allowed to send copies of your own paper to people? I think you are. Yeah. Um, but now I'm suddenly struck with indecision. Cool, cool that is are. another reason. I don't know if it actually is legal. Um, so, yeah, that's another good point, James. I don't know. Well, I don't want to get Sean in any trouble because he's uh, he's, he's gonna he's gonna go out and do hilarious things. Um, that and uh, I want to I want to use this. I, I'm already if I sound slightly distracted. I'm uh, I, I'm planning a I'm planning a, a project in my mind using Skite. Um, imagine two theories that are warring over a theoretical space, and then you look at how they're the major publications within them dealing mm. with each other change mm. over time and the way they actually work. You can actually look at the the publication dynamic, like how they're seen and how they're represented. You can watch the authors get pissed off with each other over time. You can watch someone make a theoretical advance. You can watch one of the theories die. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's just that's just to start with. I mean, you can you can visualize and then 
automatically retrieve all the interesting parts in the whole life cycle of a theory. You could learn a lot about how a theory works just by being able to pull the disparate elements of it together and, you know, kind of fossick around in its stomach contents. I mean, that really is kind of, I think, what what we have envisioned as in terms of altering the incentive system in science, the sort of scenario that you're outlining. Um, you know, I think, you know, you asked earlier about, you know, what's the sort of the end game here? Or where are you headed with this? I mean, mm. ideally, what we want to do, I, I mean, this is this is the term. I can't believe I'm about to use this term, um, but we want to be disruptive. Um you know, because I'm sound, I'm I, I'm trying to sound Silicon Valley here, but it's, I don't know if it's working. Um, but you know, we we actually no, want to. You're wearing the wrong type of hoodie. I already <laughs> checked. <laughs> no, I have a, I have a button up shirt on, so I think I'm not allowed to say that kind of thing. But um, no, I mean, we really do want to sort of disrupt the existing incentive structure, and and part of that, you know, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how often you guys hear it. You know, you talk about getting a pub, getting a pub, getting a pub, and I'm thinking, you know, well, is it the, is it a is it a good pub? Like, is it is it meaningful? <laughs> did you did you demonstrate anything or like what was it? I hear people all the time talking about getting a pub. I would like to people talk about getting a pub that actually replicates every now and then. Um, I would people to talk about the content of what they did. Um, and the idea is that if you get people to be thinking a little bit more about what happens after they get the pub. Um, you know, you've, you've really sort of changed the incentive system a bit, um, by shifting the focus away from just that question of whether or not it's going to be a line on my CV. Hmm. Cute. I like it. Yeah. Let's definitely, let's definitely do this. How can, how can people support you in your endeavor to scar the face of God and try to sunder through a toilet world? <laughs> Well, you put it like that. Uh, no, so um, our website. Sean, I always put it like that. I should have known. I should have known. Yes. No. Um, no. So your. Uh, I mean, our uh, our website is uh, is at site s c i t e dot a i, and um, yeah, you can go there and you can actually uh, sign up for our uh, our beta. Um, we've already had a, a sort of select group of users um, uh, try it out. And uh, at this point, we really are are uh, are just looking for feedback. We want uh, people to tell us what they love and what they hate about it. Um, we want people to try using the different components of the system. Flagging citations is really helpful. Um, you know, this is a, a product that really um, builds on itself and builds on the user base. So um, definitely check it out and uh, give us your comments. We'd love to hear them. Sean, thank you so much for for joining us on the show and uh, for chatting about site. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really useful, and uh, I look forward to I look forward to the feed the the bookmarklet button feature thing, and uh, all, all the stuff you have uh, coming up uh, in, in the pipeline. Thanks a I lot, look guys. Forward to dicking, I look forward to dicking around with it. I think everyone else should too, because there's not a lot of new stuff in this space. So I hope it's exciting for everyone. We uh, I I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, yeah, please uh, by all means uh, dick around with it, sir, and uh, let me know uh, what you think. It sounds so much dirtier in your accent. <laughs> I'm an American. Doesn't everything sound dirtier in my accent? I'm from the South too. Like I mean, doesn't everything just sound terrible? That's just uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think have I have I'm I, gonna I'm gonna leave that one, Sean. Haven't I, have, have I called anyone y'all? Have I used the you word did. y'all yet? You did bring it okay. up. Okay, good. Times. There we go. Okay. And you noticed it. I, I did. Assume. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been great. Pleasure.